June 18, 1815 was a momentous day in the country of England. For you see, the people of England were fighting for freedom. They were under the direction of the Duke of Wellington as he was trying to stay the attack of Napoleon Bonaparte, the French dictator. People in the city of Winchester were huddled together in the town square, nervously awaiting news from the battle, the battle called Waterloo. In that moment, the fate of the country, in fact, the entire continent, hung in the balance. The people gathered together and they were staring at the clock tower at the church waiting for news. For you see, back then, they would signal messages from boats to clock towers. The messages were coming in and the first message came in and it said, Wellington defeated. In that moment, the people were dashed. Their hopes were gone. Their greatest fears were realized for they realized in just one moment they were under the despotic rule of Napoleon Bonaparte. And if is on cue, there was a dense fog that fell upon the people, but the fog in their heart was even greater. They were despondent, they were afraid, they were nervous. What's next? But then an hour later, the fog lifted and another message came in. In fact, it was the full message. And the full message was proclaimed loud and broadly and the message was Wellington defeated the enemy. In one moment, they went from being people with despair and fear in their heart to people that were excited. They had joy in their heart. They realized that they were still free. They no longer were prisoners of the mind and the power of Napoleon. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was sentenced to death. He'd be whipped at a post, and then he'd carry a crossbeam half a mile to the place of execution. And after six grueling hours, he would die on a Roman cross. That tragic Friday, all hopes and dreams were dashed. Everyone thought that because Jesus died that they were defeated. They believed that their promised Savior was no more. The disciples were afraid. But the religious leaders and most of all, the devil was thrilled that Jesus was dead. Tragic Friday turned into gloomy Saturday. And they were, they were afraid of what the future would hold. As Jesus lay in a tomb, the message read, Jesus defeated. But gloomy Saturday turned into a bright Sunday morning. And as the fog lifted that morning, there was another message that was read. And the message read, Jesus defeated the enemy. For you see, Jesus was no longer in the grave. He had been raised to life and he was alive. And today we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He may have died, but now he is raised to life. And now we can have hope in a future because of him. We are no longer defeated. In fact, I'm here to share a message with you. And the message is this. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. I don't know what you came in with. I don't know what fear or struggle or difficulty you brought into this moment. But I'm here to reassure you that it's not over. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. 
Pay attention. He didn't say, I am finished. And because he wasn't finished, you're not finished either. It's not over. It doesn't matter if the doctor is giving you a diagnosis. God can still say, it's not over. It doesn't matter if you believe your marriage is on the way to divorce. God is saying, it's not over. It doesn't matter if your family has been ripped apart by strife and conflict. It's not over. It doesn't matter if you have this sense that your relationship with God isn't what it should be. I'm here to tell you, it's not over. For you see, when Jesus died, he wasn't defeated. He wasn't defeated. It was the exact opposite. For you see, God wasn't done. His death was a comma. It wasn't a period. In fact, Jesus always puts a comma where the ever the enemy puts a period. Whenever the enemy tries to put a nail in the coffin of your life, Jesus said, I have an empty grave to prove to you that I can resurrect you. I can set you free. I can give you hope. I can give you life. I can give you a future. I can move forward in your life. Someone once said, the Christian faith doesn't begin with a big do. It begins with a big done. I would dare say it starts with a resounding done. He's not done and you're not done. It isn't over. It isn't over. It isn't over. I want you to say it with me. It isn't over. It isn't over. You're not done. Today I want to invite you to join me in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. The reason it's called Revelation is because it reveals or it unveils what God is doing right now and what God will do in the future. This book was written by a guy by the name of John. John was one of the original 12 followers of Jesus. We know him also as Disciple John or the Apostle John. And in this moment, John writes down and tells us about an encounter he has with Jesus. A moment when he has a supernatural vision where Jesus shows up and speaks to him. This is what Jesus said. This is what happens. I invite you, Revelation chapter 1 Verses 17 and 18, it starts with John speaking. He says this, When I saw him speaking to Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his, his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. Today that's good news, you don't have to be afraid. Jesus is the first and the last. But I want you to lean in specifically to the next verse, verse 18. I'm going to come back to it. Will you pay attention to what Jesus says? He says this, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. In this passage, Jesus was speaking to John, but Jesus, in his wisdom, was also speaking to us. I believe Jesus is speaking to us today. There's three things that Jesus tells us in this verse. He tells us, number one, that he is the first and the last. Say it with me. First and last. Jesus is inviting us to allow him to be the start and the finish and everything else in between. If there's something in your life you can't seem to start, maybe it's a good habit, maybe it's a faith habit, maybe it's, it's just encouraging your spouse, maybe it's talking different to your kids. If you're having a hard time starting, let Jesus be your start. And if you're having a hard time finishing, let him be the one to finish it. Let him be the one to lead you into the next chapter he has for you because he's the first and the last. 
At the very end of verse 18, Jesus says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. What Jesus is telling us in that moment is I conquered death, hell, and the grave to give you life and abundant life. But the very best part about this entire verse is Jesus says, I am alive forever and ever. Say it with me, forever and ever. He's alive forever and, and ever. And just like Jesus was speaking to John then, Jesus is also speaking to us today. For you see, someone once said, Jesus Christ is God's language. When God wants to communicate, he does so through his son. I'll put it to you in words that help us understand this. This is what I believe. Jesus is the language God speaks. Jesus is the language God speaks. John chapter one tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and came and lived among us. Jesus is the word. He's the word of God. And Jesus is speaking to us. And he's trying to reach our heart. Today, Jesus is speaking to everyone here and everyone who's part of our online family. Whether young or old or male or female, he's speaking to all of us. But sometimes, but sometimes, we don't get the message right. Years ago, there was a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching her third grade students about Jesus' death. She was talking about how Jesus died on a cross and then he was put in a tomb and then a stone was rolled in front of it to keep Jesus in and to keep the disciples out. And then she asked her students, she asked them, and what do you think Jesus said when he came out of the grave? What was his first words? And there was a little girl in the back of the classroom. She said, me, me, me. She says, I have the answer. So the teacher called on her and said, Share with us, what were the first words that Jesus told everybody? And so she stood up and she raised her hands and she said, ta-da! <laughs> now, I'm not sure if that's what Jesus said. I don't see it in the gospel. She may have gotten the words wrong, but she got the message right. For you see, Jesus' resurrection was nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. The resurrection is a miracle. And I just feel in my heart right now prophetically that God still has a miracle for you. You may think it's over, but Jesus wants to speak a miracle over you today. And I'm gonna invite you, if you need a miracle today, at the end of our service, our prayer team's gonna be up here at the front. They'd love to anoint you and pray that you would experience the miracle that Jesus has for you. I'm talking to someone today. I don't know who it is, but Jesus wants to proclaim a miracle to you today. In fact, I spoke with a lady right before service. She came up to me and she mentioned to me about her friend. We had prayed for her friend. Her friend had cancer. And the doctor gave her a very negative diagnosis. The thought was that the cancer had metastasized and moved to different parts of her body. And so they said, we're going to go in and do surgery, and we're going to remove the cancer, but we're going to remove more than is going to, what we're going to remove is going to change your life and your lifestyle forever. You're going to have to change how you eat and how you live. This past week, the doctors went in and did surgery, and they were able to find the cancer, but the cancer was encapsulated, and it hadn't spread anywhere else. 
And so they removed the cancer. And when the lady was in recovery, the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but I could only find the cancer in one spot. We were able to remove it all. We didn't have to remove anything else. You are healed. We can't explain it. I met that lady this morning at our sunrise service, and she said, Pastor, I'm an RN. I've seen people with bad diagnosis, and I thought it was going to be me. But Jesus saved me. I said, go forth and tell everybody about what Jesus has done for you. I'm here to say Jesus is a miracle-working God, and he wants to proclaim a miracle over you today. Be willing to receive it. Be willing to welcome it in your life. He's speaking to us. But there's a caveat. In order for us to hear Jesus, we need to listen to Jesus. Now, you parents know all of our kids are born with a problem. (laughs) Well, maybe many problems. The problem that they're born with is they're born with selective hearing. They hear only what they want to hear. You tell them to clean their room and they forget three seconds later. You tell them to wash the dishes, they forget they want to play Xbox. You tell them to vacuum and instead of running the vacuum, they just stand there and hold the vacuum. And you're like, you can't fake this out. You actually have to move the thing. But then you tell them that two months from now, maybe, just maybe, their friend can spend the night and they'll remind you week after week, remember you told me, remember you told me, remember you told me. They'll pay attention when you talk about ice cream And you'll talk about Chick-fil-A, and they'll pay attention to your adult conversations, but they won't listen. In order for us to hear Jesus, we need to listen to Jesus. Why? Because the primary gateway to the soul is the ear. For you see, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to be people who listen. Why? Because followers of Jesus were known as disciples back then. And the definition of a disciple is one who listens and learns. Listens and learns. We need our kids to be disciples, right? They need to listen and learn. But we too, as children of God, we need to be people who listen and learn. In fact, the foundation of being a Christian is faith. The Bible talks about how faith comes through how we hear and how we listen. Romans 10, 17 says this, that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Here's what I've discovered is that we need to listen to God because often we hear God before we see God. We hear God before we see God. Yes, we want the miracle, but we need to allow God to speak to us so that when the miracle happens, we know it was him. He was the one who made it happen. We need to let him work in our life. Today, I want to share with you two truths we can hear from God this resurrection weekend. Number one, Jesus speaks in the present tense. For those of you who are teachers, you know that the present tense is the here and now. There's the past tense, there's the present tense, and then there's the future tense. Jesus always speaks in the present tense. He's speaking to us here and now. He was speaking to John then, but now he's speaking to us here and now. Pay attention to what Jesus says in verse 18. He says this, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. This word I am is in the present tense. It is for right here, right now. Jesus is the I am, the present tense God, because in the present moment we need him. Every moment of our life we need him. He's the God that rescued us from our past. 
I'm glad we don't serve a God that is a was been and a has been. We have a God that's alive today. A God that's alive today, and he's saying, I am your salvation, I am your hope, I am your peace, I am your restoration, I am your grace, I am your wisdom, I am the one who rescued you. We need to allow him to be the I am in our life. Because of Jesus, we don't have to stay stuck in our past, our past mistakes, our past family drama, our past bad choices, Jesus defeated your past to give you a better future. In fact, the writer of the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, put it this way, and I love what he says. I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I know I'm not where I need to be yet, but I'm sure glad that he saved me from the life that I used to live and I just want you to internalize this message. Let God speak to you in the present tense. Let him speak to you. Let him give you a better life and a better future. In fact, I think Jesus is proclaiming better is possible. Better is possible. Better is possible for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for your future, for your future spouse, for your future in-laws, for the next thing he has for you, better is possible. Jesus is speaking to us today. Today, I also want to share with you the second truth we can hear from God this resurrection weekend. Number two, the empty tomb says Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. In fact, I want you to make it personal by saying Jesus loves me. Say it with me. Jesus loves me. Say it again. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. The cross declares that God hates sin. But the empty tomb declares to us that Jesus loves us. What an extravagant love that someone would go to a cross to die for us. How can we understand that? It's immense. It is incalculable. It's hard for us to comprehend. And the truth is we all need God's love. Why? Because love is the antidote to doubt. For you see, in the absence of love, doubt creeps in. And the enemy begins to speak. Did God really say he loved you? Did God really say he had a purpose for you? All Satan has to do is introduce doubt, and, and that, that seed of doubt will grow into hopelessness and discouragement. For you see, doubt destroys dreams and blocks blessings. It prevents us from hearing God and seeing God work. It also will drain you and dig your grave. It'll tell you to burn the bridge and to throw away the relationship. It'll tell you to hold on to hurt and unforgiveness. It'll tell you to quit and never try again. But God, but God in his love came to rescue us from doubt and despair. He didn't want us to be victims of our past life. He wanted us to step into his future. Jesus may have died to pay for our sin, but he rose again to give us love and hope. This is what, this is what Paul, the writer of Romans says in Romans 5.8, and as you know, Paul had a checkered past before he came to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. He says this, but God showed his great love. Say great love. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
Imagine that. God knew in advance that we would need his love. And he says, I'm going to provide my love to you, but more importantly, I'm going to provide the forgiveness of sin so that you can be connected to me, so you can have eternal life with me. Because God's love is undaunted, you are undefeated. Because God's love is undaunted, you are undefeated. But sometimes, sometimes we don't understand that God's speaking. For you see, the truth is, God is always speaking even when we don't even realize that he actually is speaking. For you see, doubt shouts, but love whispers. Why does Jesus whisper? Why does he do it? Because when he whispers, he invites us to come closer. If you ever want to get your kids to come closer, just tell them, I need to talk to you, and just whisper. They'll come closer. What Jesus was saying is, come closer, come closer, come closer. I want you to hear me. I want you to know that I love you and that I gave my life for you to give you life and hope and freedom. And he whispers it. He whispers it. Not to keep the message from us, but so that we'll come closer to him. So that we'll see him close face to face. And Jesus is whispering to us today. Jesus speaks to us sometimes through subtle messages. Messages like an inspirational song or an encouraging word from a friend. Or a random text message from someone you haven't seen in a long time who says... I don't know why I'm sending this to you, but I'm, telling, I'm here to tell you that I'm praying for you. It seems to arrive at just the right moment. Sometimes it is a heartfelt memory, a memory of your grandmother or your grandfather or your great-grandmother or great-grandfather praying for you and saying, you need to go to church. Sometimes it is a prompting of the heart. God's always speaking Now, all of us, we live in a technological age, and all of us have a device, whether on our wrist or in our pocket, that notifies us when messages come in. And all of us know what the etiquette is when we're in public spaces, is to put it on vibrate, right? So the notification comes in as a vibration. Well, in the same way, sometimes God sends messages seemingly like a vibration, Some of you who may be new to Westover, you come to this church and you don't have the words to explain. Maybe you say, that church has really good vibes. I want you to be acquainted that those good vibes aren't just good vibes. They're actually the voice of God. For you see, what some of us consider luck or providence is actually God's voice speaking to us. We just think it's coincidental that we're here, but it's actually God had a defined moment for us to be here. He's speaking to us. But it gets even better. I want to remind us that Jesus is in the good news business. He's in the good news business. Jesus didn't come to earth to get even with us because we're sinful. He came to earth because he knew that we would be sinful. And he knew that he wanted to have a relationship with us and that we would need him. He came to give us a better life and a better future. He's in the good news business. But some of us, we haven't received the message that comes from God. Have you ever gotten an email but not realized that you got the email because it ended up in your junk folder finally you had to search for it and you realized it was in the junk folder you didn't realize that you had received it I think many of us are like that with God God's been sending us messages 
but they've gone to a folder that we've never opened up before. The folder's title is Good News. I'm here to remind you that just because you haven't received the message from God doesn't mean he hasn't sent it. And today I want to encourage you to open up your heart, open up your life, let him speak to you. Come to church, allow us to share God's good news to you. Open up your Bible and learn to just discover him in his word. He's better than you think. He's better than you think. When I was a Christian counselor, before I became a pastor, I, I would counsel people. And I had the privilege of encouraging people to walk and move forward in life. And there was a couple moments when I had the opportunity of working with people who were believers. And if they would permit me, what I would do is I would try to awaken them to the voice of God in their conscience. To speak to them. Invite God to speak to them about what's right and what's good and what they needed to do in their life. I wanted them to hear God more than me. And my prayer today is that you would hear him. He's speaking to you. He loves you. He came for you. And he's after you in a good way to tell you, hey, I love you. As some of you know, I'm bilingual. I speak English and Spanish. And there's moments when I'm in an environment where the message is in English and in Spanish. And sometimes when the message comes in, it comes in twice, and I understand it both times, and my wife will elbow me and say, that's for you. And she wants me to hear it two times, right? <laughs> I speak Spanish and English, and my wife speaks English and muy poquito de español. She speaks very little Spanish. And sometimes I get in a conversation with someone, and we're speaking really fast, and she only gets part of the message. In fact, let me tell you, mi esposa Denae es el mujer, es la mujer más bella del mundo. Pero lo que ella no sabe es esto, que mi vida será más bueno si ella sabía cómo hacer tortillas. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you got the whole message. I just said my wife's the most beautiful woman in the world. But my life would be better if she knew how to make tortillas. <laughs> There's moments in life when we don't get the message, the full message that God is speaking to us. But if we're willing to open up our heart, I believe he's speaking a message to us, not only through the message of this, of, not only through the words of this message, but also by tugging on our heart. I believe God's speaking to us, and he's saying, it's not over. It's not over. I came out of a grave to tell you. It wasn't just a rumor. Jesus showed up to the disciples and 500 people. And because of their faith and what they proclaimed that they saw the risen Savior, they were willing to be martyred for their faith. Today we can have life and hope and a future because Jesus stepped out of a grave to rescue us. And today I want to give you the opportunity to answer the call of God in your heart, the tug that you feel on the inside. So today as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me front to back, side to side. I invite you to set aside every distraction. I know it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and there's other things on your to-do list, but this is the most important moment of today. Today I want to give you the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus, the one who died for you, and the one who has a better life for you. 
Here at Westover, we believe that saying yes to Jesus is as clear as ABC. A, admitting that we need Jesus because the truth is we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. B, believing in our heart that he died on the cross and that his death was sufficient payment for our sin that we couldn't pay. But then he rose from the dead and is alive. And then C, confessing from our heart with our mouth out loud that we want him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. We want him to be in charge today and forever. I want to give you that opportunity today. And so I want to invite everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I want to give you a private audience with God. This is your moment. This is the moment that God has ordained from the beginning of time, a moment where he wanted to speak to you and tell you that he loved you. You may have came because of an invitation of a friend, but it was just one invitation for the most important invitation, which is Jesus calling you closer. So if you're at a place in your life where you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe your relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be, I want to invite you on the count of three to raise your hands. You're not joining this church. You're just saying yes to Jesus. And that's the most important yes you'll ever say in your life. So if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Yes. Yes, yes, let him speak to you. He's telling you right now, I love you. I have a purpose for you. I haven't forgotten you. And I brought you here to this place so that you could know me. So here's what I'd like to invite us to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us to say this prayer together from our heart. From the place where we say I love you to the people we cherish the most. I want you to say this prayer, all of us loud and proud, say this, say, Jesus... Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross to pay for my sins. Thank you for raising from the dead to give me life and hope. Today I give you my life. I want you to save me. I want you to be in charge of my life. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you just said that for the first time, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Before we dismiss, for those of you who just said that prayer, here's two things I'd love for you to do. Number one, I'd love for you to text New Life to the number on the screen. Why? Because we want to help you in your journey of faith. We want to help you get started, jump started into your faith walk with Jesus. And secondly, I want to invite you to join us back next week, and not only for service, but also for our outdoor water baptism moment. It's going to happen at 4 p.m. It's going to be down on our sports field. We'd love for you to register so that we can send you messages about how to be prepared. But if you don't register online, just know that you can register on site the day of. We want to invite you to invite your friends, your families, Maybe even the person at HEB that you just met to come out to the water baptism moment. We're going to celebrate that we have a risen Savior, and we're also going to celebrate what God has done in your life. I want you to know it's been a delight having you here with us this Resurrection Sunday. Our prayer and our love is with you. God bless you, and we're dismissed.